Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's up? I know you guys were expecting to see Jake. Jake's got the night off and everything. I am still celebrating. The Super Bowl 52 was six years ago. We won that. Those were good times. And then there was a parade in Philadelphia six years ago, about a week ago. Those were good times. We were promised a new norm by Doug Peterson. We didn't get the new norm we were expecting. The new norm became like nine and seven and barely making the playoffs. We got to another Super Bowl. You probably remember that. That was last year with the greatest team we've ever had. Things didn't work out the way we wanted them to, but it was fun. And I believe that we're going to get there soon. So watch the highlights of that first Super Bowl. <laughs> and we're going to be celebrating all night long because I told myself I wasn't going to watch the game. I lied to myself. I told myself I don't care who wins. I lied to myself. I knew I was going to watch the game because Andy Reid was in it. I knew I was going to watch the game because it was the Super Bowl. I knew I was going to watch it because Patrick Mahomes was in there, and I wanted to see if the Chiefs were going to do it again. But as I started to watch, I was watching some of you guys on social media, and you had those F both teams T-shirts. <laughs> I'm not going to say the old phrase on here because this is a kid-friendly show. But you guys had those F both teams T-shirts and things of that nature, and I thought that you guys were very clever in what you were saying, and I kind of – was subscribing to some of what you guys thought. But then I thought to myself, you know what? I do care who wins. I don't want San Francisco to win this thing. Why? Because gold 
Once Upon a Time was not just one of the, the team colors of the San Francisco 49ers, it still is. Gold was a standard. Standard they don't live up to anymore. What would Joe Montana and Roger Craig and John Taylor and George Seifert and the great Bill Walsh, what would that guy think about the San Francisco 49ers we had today? You know, the dudes that cry all the time. The dudes that came into Philadelphia, Brock Purdy got knocked out the game. You remember the story. Somehow that was our fault that Brock Purdy got knocked out the game because the genius, the offensive genius, Kyle Shanahan, decided to put a backup tight end on the side of the formation that Hassan Reddick was lining up on. Brock gets knocked out the game. You guys know the story. Somehow that was our fault. And we were supposed to apologize for the NFL being a demolition derby. We were supposed to apologize because they weren't quote unquote at full strength, even though every time I looked, there was 11 guys on the field on both sides of the ball. <laughs> Nobody was upset when Donovan McNabb got knocked out the championship game against the Carolina Panthers. We were just supposed to deal with that. We didn't spend the entire offseason talking about how that was our Super Bowl and we should have won that. No, we took it on the chin. We retooled. We came back, got back to the bowl the next year, and things didn't work out how we wanted to. But you didn't hear us complaining. All we've heard from the San Francisco 49ers since the NFC Championship game last year was how that was their Super Bowl, how we somehow robbed them of that in a demolition derby. Well, guys get hurt in football all the time. Again, no sympathy when Donovan got hurt. No sympathy when we lost anybody to injury. But for some reason, we were supposed to apologize. Remember when Bryce Pop ran into Randall Cunningham's knee? Did we complain all offseason and sit here and say that we would won the Super Bowl and Randall Cunningham been present? No. Did we cry because a fog somehow descended on Soldier Field that year? Did we cry about that all offseason? No, we didn't do that. But the San Francisco 40 whiners somehow believed that it was our fault they didn't win the Super Bowl. They knuckled up. They came back. And congratulations to them. They earned some rights to brag. They showed up to Philadelphia in black saying it was our funeral. And they backed up all the chatter. But they got to the big bowl. And as I told myself I didn't care, I realized I was lying because I did care who won that game. I would rather see Andy Reid win another one and do it again and further make Philadelphia a footnote in his story. <laughs> the greatest Eagles coach of all time is also the greatest Chiefs coach of all time, and he'll go into the Hall of Fame as a Kansas City Chief. We're a footnote in his story. But, gosh, it felt good to see the Winers walk off the field dejected. Gosh, it felt good to see Debo in tears. It felt good to know that Corey Clement in Super Bowl 52 had more receiving yards than Ayuk and Debo and George Kittle combined. <laughs> I'm happy. So I'm celebrating. I don't know whether to talk trash. I don't know whether to light up a cigar, pray, do a dance, might do a combination of all of them before the night's over with. But <laughs> to help me along, first let me say shout out to all my brothers from other mothers, the rest of the Inside the Eagles family, all my sisters from other misters. Tressany, Jackie, and I got another one joining me tonight. My sister looks just like me if you look at it. Shannon Finnegan is joining us on the broadcast. What's going on, Shannon? Hello. Hey, Eagles fans. I'm so excited to be here for my first live stream talking all about the birds. And I agree with everything you said thus far, Jeffrey. I'm ready. Shannon, I might do a dance. I might Let's light go. up a cigar. Uh might kick a freestyle. Mm -hmm. I don't know how this night is going to go, but I'm ready for fun because I am here to dance all over the grave of the San Francisco 49ers. I'm wearing black now, yep. so yep. I'm feeling good. It felt amazing to watch the end of that game and to watch the 49ers lose in similar fashion to how we lost last year, to know that they were feeling the same way. It it was amazing. I I had this this moment where I was watching the game and Patrick Mahomes – started running down the field and I was like go 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 and I sat back and I was like you cannot tell me a year ago today that a year from now I would be cheering on Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl but the 49ers are one of two teams that that can make me do that and oh it felt it felt so good Absolutely. I felt you. I was sitting there, um, Shannon, and I was saying to myself, you know, I really don't care who won this game. But as the game started to progress, as we got out of the first quarter, and I don't know how you feel about Usher. I'm not an Usher fan. <laughs> I'm dreading the Usher performance. But then I'm starting to realize <laughs> every time something bad happened in San Francisco, I was feeling really good about things. Like you said, every time I mm -hmm. saw Kansas do anything, I was like, yes, let's get them. <laughs> 
I was evolving into a cheese fan as the night went along and everything. Not permanent, but just for the span of about yeah. three hours. Exactly. Yeah, and, you know, they talking about, they continue to talk about Philly during their whole media week leading up to it. We were mentioned quite a few times. Before media week, Juwan Jennings is out here talking about Philly. Like, we live rent-free in their heads. And I think the, the best way that we can celebrate this is, like you said, to sit back and have a cigar and drink some champagne. Not even talk back because they do all the talking. And it comes back to haunt them majority of the time. It feels good. I'm an old man now, so I will always hate the Giants. And I know it's easier for people not to hate the Giants now because of how bad the Giants have been and how we just established long-term dominance over there. But I still hate the sight of the Giants. But the only thing that would have made me happier than seeing the San Francisco 49ers lose, they might be like an extended rival now. The only thing that would have made me happier was to see the Dallas qualify for the Super Bowl, get on the grandest stage of football, Shannon, and blow it in front of billions of people. That would have made me happier. (laughs) But this is close. Yeah, this is close. Um, yeah, it, it was great. I think I, I think personally the Cowboys losing in the way that they did was a little better than them making it to the Super Bowl. I think because they, they can't they can't even get there is, is the best part. Uh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, um, part of the Eagles story, which will be our story forever, I've been sitting here talking about Super Bowl 52. When I thought about it this morning, Shannon, what the thought that crossed my mind was, mm-hmm. you'll never be able to take from us that as we start talking about dynasties and whether or not the Chiefs are a dynasty or not, you'll never be able to take from us that the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL, we beat them to win our Super Bowl. Like, yeah. as great as that Super Bowl win was, it's not the same if Jacksonville gets past the, the, the Patriots in the AFC Championship game and they get there. It had to be yeah. the Patriots. It had to be Billy Belichick and Tom Brady. And it had to unfold the way it did. So we took down mm-hmm. the greatest dynasty on the grandest stage. And I think that's going to forever be the best part of – one of the best parts of the Eagles story for me. Like, how do you feel about that? Oh, 100%. Um, I think winning that Super Bowl was so important and, and so imperative to – the health of the fans of the city to be able to have that in our back pocket, like to knock San Francisco down even more. We at least won our first, and I'm not counting all of the Joe Montana years. They've been to Super Bowl twice in the past five or six years, and they lost both. We at least Mm -hmm. won the first one against Tom Brady, nonetheless. And that is such a huge feat to hang, hang your hat on. Um, It, it's, it's it's amazing, and I, I think it, we just can't forget about that. No matter what we've been dealing with these past few years, let's just keep thinking about 2017. Man, there were so many iconic moments in the game. I saw, like, the uh, Alshon Jeffrey Cash, you got everything started. Yeah. Gary Blunt run, Corey Clements. Uh, everybody talks about the Philly special. Everybody seems to forget about that catch and run Corey Clement had to get them into the red zone and everything to set that up with that stiff arm and everything. That to me yeah. was actually like more powerful yeah. than the toe tap in the back of the end zone, but that didn't get us any points, but it did set up the Philly special and stuff. Of course, Brandon Graham strip sack. Um, my fa- my favorite memory of Tom Brady will always be him sitting there like looking back in the other direction because he can't believe he just lost the ball. Like that's what it's going to always be about for me. Yep. When, when they tried to do the Philly special on the ball, just went right through his hands. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> no, that kind of moment. So, so, so we're sitting here talking about dynasties and how we took down one on the grandest stage and everything. Now there's this yeah. new chatter and everything about the Kansas City Chiefs being a new dynasty and whether the or not. Passing the baton. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was always, I feel like I can beat my chest a little bit because I was always the one saying it's Brady, not Belichick. Um <laughs> Brady without Belichick has always looked better than Belichick without Brady, um, but pre yeah. and post uh, Patriots run. But um, this new dynasty, are we close to being anything what the Chiefs are, in your opinion? Can we get back to this grand stage? If we get back there and the Chiefs are waiting on us, can we beat this team? Will we have beaten this team this year? Like, what are your thoughts? No, we would not have beat them this year. Um I think we have a lot of work to do to get to that place because championship. 
backs and our defense is not up to the task so far. We had an amazing, we still have an amazing offense. Our offense is probably top three in the league. And we were not able to win with just our offense last year. Our defense let us down. And I don't think our defense, I mean, it got worse this year. And we'll have to see what happens this offseason with free agency and trade acquisitions if, you know, Howie and Sirianni can beef up our defense. But until we, you know, get better talent on the defensive side, because that's what it, it comes down to is the talent that we have. Um, I don't think we can kind of be in the dynasty conversation. Um, mm. So hopefully that'll change soon. But it, it's, it's really it's, the defense has got to improve leaps and bounds. Michael Sterkle is Serena Covey become the Eagles spokesman. We actually get into that. And Andrew Bagley, how can they let Hassan Reddick look for a trade? You guys must be reading the teleprompter because me and uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to get to all that tonight. But um, yeah. yeah, so you're, so brought, the San Francisco 49ers, in an attempt to try to become a dynasty, they gave Jimmy Garoppolo a lot of money. He's no longer in San Francisco, mm-hmm. as you know. They moved heaven and earth to get Trey Lance. That didn't seem to work out and everything. They settled on Mr. Irrelevant in the draft, the last player taken in the draft. He becomes the franchise signal caller and things of that nature, and he's partially responsible for what they're doing. Are you seeing Brock Purdy as a franchise quarterback yet, or are you still needing some convincing? Can you hear me? I have been a Brock Purdy defender. Whenever everybody says he's just a system quarterback and it's just the 49er system that he's in. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Hello? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay, we good? Okay, good. Um, I think he's a really good quarterback and can be very successful. I think that the 49 – I'm not convinced the 49ers are going to stick with him, honestly. I could see them transitioning to, to somebody else. Okay, okay. What about the Jalen conversation? Are you sold on Jalen? Um, did he take too far of a step backwards this year for you to feel like he's still the guy that can get it done for us? I think Jalen's a guy. 100% he's the guy. I think his regression was due to coaching. I think Jalen is a player that needs to be coached really hard. And I don't think, and I think Shane Steichen coached him really hard. And I think Brian Johnson did not. And Jalen took a step backwards. I think we kind of saw that in in college. In Alabama, he wasn't getting coached super hard. And then in Oklahoma, he was. So I think his regression has to do with coaching. Not all on coaching. Like, he has to own up to some of his own mistakes, too. But he's our guy, and he's going to keep getting better. Um, He just needs a better offensive coordinator behind him. So these Chiefs, how many how many Super Bowls you think the Chiefs can win? You think they're done, or you feel like they can three-peat, or you feel like they got a few more left in the bag? I mean, Mahomes is only twenty-eight. Yeah, they definitely got more in the bag. Whether it's going to be next year or not, I can do it right now. It is the Chiefs, but. I, I think they definitely have more to come in the future, whether it's next year or in a few years. I think even without Kelsey, if he retires soon, I think they're going to still be great. We saw the talent and the, the plays from the younger tight ends last night. I think they're going to be okay without Kelsey. So as long as they got Patrick Mahomes, you know, they're going to be in the running for Super Bowls. Right. So from that, we move on to Kelsey, who you brought up. So the Eagles lost in the wild card round. Jason Kelsey informs the team that he has no intention of coming back for um, another season. Um, it's an emotional moment. You understand that he decides that, you know, maybe I spoke too soon. You know, it was the emotions of the game. I got caught up in the moment, so on and so forth. We then see Jason Kelsey a few days later. He's stating that he has made no decision about his future. Then we see Jason Kelsey in Buffalo with his shirt off. 
Then we see Jason Kelsey in Las Vegas <laughs> at a blackjack table. Then we see Jason Kelsey at a Dell concert. Jason Kelsey is all over the place. Like I tried to put a Jason Kelsey timeline together and it's impossible to do so. Like I started writing out <laughs> what Jason Kelsey was doing. And most recently I heard Jason Kelsey talking to Chris Sloan on Greenlight, I believe it was. And he was referring to the Eagles, not as we, but they. This is what the Eagles have to do when they're going to do this, 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 and that. So we're on Jason Kelsey watching. Um, I personally, the people that want to rush him to the decision, I get it to for a concept. I understand that, you know, it does kind of handcuff the team in a way, but we do kind of want an understanding of where he is so we can know how we want to plan. Do we need to find another center? Um, are we moving Cam Jurgens over from right guard to, to center, so on and so forth? But the Jason Kelsey watch is a big thing now. And But I personally, aside from all that, I believe that he has also earned the right um, with all he's done for the organization and all he's been to the organization that he should be able to allow to take within reason as much time as he needs to to make the one of the most important decisions he's making. Am I alone in that or you agree? No, I do agree. And I totally, you know, understood when Jason Kelsey came out afterwards and was like, after the game, how am I ever in a position to make an important decision like that right after the game with emotions? And so I think he's allotted honestly as much time as he needs, but kind of now that the season is officially over and the Super Bowl ends, um, I think he's got to be more seriously thinking about it and kind of maybe give us some answers or just at least give the Eagles organizations some answers, which maybe he has already. We don't know. Um, but there are a lot of puzzle pieces to this Jason Kelsey timeline and a lot of people in his corner saying conflicting things. We had Travis Kelsey say in media week that he thinks that Jason Kelsey is a good chance he will come back. And then we have Mylada saying, look at him. He's having so much fun. There's no way he's coming back. Um, so it's confusing for sure. But in my opinion, if I had to put money on it, I think we saw the last of six. You bummed out by that or you feel like it's time to move on? I'm weirdly not as bummed out. I, I think the documentary, the Kelsey documentary really helped to kind of shine the light on like why he's retiring and why he has to, not that he just wants to, not that he's done. He doesn't want to retire, but he's at that age and he has a family, a growing family um and it makes sense just on a personal level um when you take kind of like business out of it that it's probably the best decision for Jason Kelsey and his family for him to retire um but yeah of course I'm bummed I mean he's awesome it's definitely mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna be tough not to have him you know snapping the ball next year if that's well Shannon, it's called a 24-hour rule for a reason um and I think you and I have talked about this before. I think I, one of our earlier conversations, 24-hour rule to some people is defined as kind of got to give guys room to breathe. Jason didn't give himself – we just talking about Jason. Jason didn't give himself room to breathe, to think, to make a decision that he probably would have made had he had more time to think about it. So Jason, within a few moments of the game, and it is emotional, he says he wants to quit. 24 hours later, the answer is different. There's also yeah. like a rule in my business where it's like 24 hours after the game ends, even though I've never understood this, Shannon, because I feel like, you know, there's a fan in all of us, even though we report on the game, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But because we love the game, you know, we can hang on to memories as much as we want to. I mean, I got on a damn Super Bowl 52 t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so this theory that a lot of fans have that kind of echoes what the players have, like, you know, Immediately after a loss or a win, you got to, you know, put that one, you got to pack that one away. You got to get ready for the next one and stuff like that. I try to tell people sometimes, chill out a little bit. You know, we have a little bit more room to kind of like to think about a little bit more. But in the media outfit, we always have to just pack it up just like the players do. And like a few days after we just, we're already talking about the next game, whether regardless of whether it's a little win or loss. But I understand the 24-hour rule is a concept. Mm-hmm. Because had Jason Kelsey yeah. taken some time, we wouldn't have got all these reports about Jason Kelsey saying he was going to quit. And I think we don't get moments like this. Check, the, check this out right here, Shannon. Let's send you down to the field and Aaron Andrews. Joe, thank you so much. Richard, let me ask you the final play. Take me through it. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Who was talking? 
talking about you. Crabtree, don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to set it for you real quick. L.O.B. All right, before... Yeah, that's what happens when you shove a microphone in the emotional guy's face like a few seconds after the game. <laughs> yeah. Richard Sherman has nothing to do with the Eagles, by the way, but Richard Sherman, like, immediately <laughs> after the game, is still hyped up and stuff like that. And I felt like, you know, he got a lot of criticism for that. Criticism for that. But I'm like, okay, the guy just played a game. You know, he's still yeah. upset. He's still fired up and things of that nature. Give him some time, calm down, and stuff like that. Yep. So that was my theory. Um, translating that to Britton Covey. Britton Covey has had plenty of time. It's been <laughs> way over 24 hours. It's been way over 24 hours for Britton Covey. Britton Covey's had time to think about what he says before he says it. Britton Covey, um, you and I talked about this, a few weeks ago was talking about Jalen Hurts being unapproachable in the locker room, and then that got blown mm-hmm. out of proportion, so he had to walk it back. He's like, look, I didn't say anything bad about Jalen Hurts and stuff. And it seemed like at that point, Shannon, I thought that might be a valuable lesson that Britton Covey needs to learn. But then Britton Covey did it again. Britton Covey went to Las Vegas and he started talking again. So to answer the question of um, Michael Stokely, who asked us a few minutes ago, when did Britton Covey become our spokesperson? Like, how did this happen? It's a really good question. And it's super random. I mean, my first thought was, why is he even in Vegas, honestly? And like, it's it's super random. Um, I appreciate it in the sense because in a sense where we have not gotten many answers at all about the biggest question, what happened? And, you know, the Eagles players are all, all very well media trained and they kind of always give us a bunch of nothing. And I'd still say what Covey was giving us was still pretty much nothing, but it was the most that we've gotten out of any player since the end of the season. And it's, it's very weird and random that it's coming from Britt and Covey during Super Bowl week. But I do appreciate the insights a little bit because it doesn't answer any questions, but it kind of confirms some rumors. Yeah. So that's my question. Like, so, because I've been asking myself this for a while. Like, mm-hmm. I like the Eagles when the, we have no idea what they're doing. Like, when we're talking about, okay, are these guys going after DeAndre Hopkins? And then we're like, you know, there's, there's always this rumor. Every time there's this, this grown player, and he looks like he might fit into the Philadelphia Eagles scheme on offense or defense. We all of a sudden want to start talking about why the Eagles should be interested in things of that nature. And then come to find out from time to time, they actually are interested in some of these guys. So uh, that kind of adds a little fuel to the fire and stuff. So we like yeah. that. We like that inside information. But then there are these other times where we're talking and it's like, uh, okay, so what's going on? And then we find out they've traded for A.J. Brown during the draft and they've traded for DeAndre Swift during the draft. I like that because I always felt like, you know, we were like flying under the radar and it was this yeah. covert stuff going on. But then you look around and it's like, guys, like guys are talking to Derek Gunn and <laughs> these guys are in the locker room and Derek Gunn has all these sources about how big guys are upset with the play calling and so on and so forth. And then Brent Covey's talking and then you got – John Ritchie on 94 Whip FM talking about why is he talking? He's the punter. <laughs> and yeah. Did we become the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, like it seems like people said now the Dallas Cowboys are like the drama-free franchise that doesn't say anything. And now we're the ones that's always in the news for the wrong reasons. You know, there's been a lot of similarities between us and the Cowboys this season. Now I don't like it, but yeah, it's a good point. I, I feel I've always felt with the Eagles that yeah that they're not transparent with their fans that they keep things secret the reports will come out and the players will immediately say no that's not true everything is fine and it's like "Mm, but is it or are you just saying that um and it's definitely frustrating when a season like this happens when you completely collapse and fans are spending money the fans are spending their time and all we want is answers and we're getting absolutely nothing and then maybe like when when the season ends we want some answers because the season's over and we still get nothing um, and so until Brent Covey comes, just goes to Super Bowl week and it kind of gives us a little bit of insight. It's, it's, it's very interesting the way that word is. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Organization works in regards to uh, media. You know what something funny? Hmm. I don't even know what he said. Like, <laughs> all I know was... I actually have the quotes right here. I have the quotes right in front of me. Would you like me to read some? Sure, sure. I I was upset because I was like, gosh, he just said something about Jalen and stuff. And then I'm seeing all the reports. Britton Covey's talking to him again. And I got so upset that he was talking and the fact that, you know, we were layering out all this dirty laundry and everything. And I actually forgot to yeah. read what was said. So what was going on? So I'll, I will uh, read the most kind of telling part of what he said. And he goes, there was some miscommunication, I think, from coaches to players. There was some finger there was some pointing fingers from player to player and there was kind of letting outside voices impact our love for the game and just the happiness that we had all that combined to really just make us spiral. So that quote from that is player to player pointing fingers. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the biggest tell in my opinion, because I think a lot of the fans kind of knew there was a little bit of turmoil between the coaches and the players, but we always hope that our players are, getting along and and vibing and having good relationships but then when you hear that on top of maybe bad coaching player relationships the players are also um, pointing fingers and and kind of infighting between them so I mean we did see it on the sideline with with AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts and then they came out and completely was like everything's fine no everything's fine you don't know what you're talking about Um, but Covey just kind of did confirm that there was definitely some infighting between the players which is not fun to read. <laughs> um, AJ, we're we going to definitely talk about AJ. Yeah, we'll talk about AJ um, had that moment where he decided he wasn't going to talk to the media for a while. And then AJ came back and we were talking about how heroic AJ was because he stepped in front of the microphone and he put out all these fires and stuff. But Shannon, does he get a pass because he put out fires that he started? Like he lit the match, didn't he? <laughs> Oh my God. I, I did not understand why everyone was so like, we're back. We're back after that. Like this man gave us nothing but a bunch of word salad and media trained sentences after exactly what you said. He lit all those fires to not talk to the media. And I still believe that it has to do with his relationship with the coaches and, and maybe him like not agreeing with Sirianni and everything. And then, he said, oh, none of that's true. We're totally fine. We're, mm-hmm. we're back. And it just wasn't true. Nothing changed. Absolutely nothing on the field changed after that. So I don't know what the point was to stay quiet for two weeks and what the point was to come back and say all of that nonsense for absolutely nothing to change. Um, so, yeah, I was not behind. I was not behind that. <laughs> Um, it's interesting you said what you said because we're actually about to talk about two guys now. So a phrase that came up recently was um, you heard all the stuff that we would say. Has Nick Sirianni lost control of the team? Is this team still behind Nick Sirianni, so on and so forth? What's going on? Um, is this team behind Nick Sirianni? So those were the conversations that we were hearing and things of that nature. AJ kind of quelled some of that to some degree because we was like, okay, well, the team still seems to still be on his side. So maybe everything's all right. Maybe everything's okay. But then do you have all the anonymous sources with Derek Gunn 
and you have all the other things that we were hearing and now Britton Covey's talking and so on and so forth and stuff. And it was like, it's also convenient that all this stuff started happening around a time where this team that's just so used to winning now, <laughs> that's on this yeah. road, that's just so used to success and the Nick Sirianni is now starting to have some adversity. And when the adversity came, we heard all the cracks and so on and so forth. So it's like, are there bad apples in the locker room we need to get rid of? And some people are actually asking if one of those bad apples is A.J. Brown. Do you feel like, is A.J. Brown a diva? That's what I'm going to say. Yes, he's a diva. I'm not saying he, we need to throw him out of Philly and not work with him anymore, but he is a diva. That's just who he is. I mean, just he's a diva. I don't think we need to jump to that means he shouldn't be on our team anymore and he's at a T.O. level of diva, but yes, he's a diva. Yeah. So, so we'll see what happens as far as he's concerned. I mean, AJ's yeah. not going anywhere. Um, well, that's good. Guys, team's going to look a lot different than it did this year. This team's going to definitely look a lot different than it did this year. But if there are bad apples in the locker room, like who are these anonymous sources that were talking to um, Derek Gunn? Um, AJ Brown has yeah. his ghost out. AJ Brown's tweeting stuff and then deleting it, so on and so forth. Did you get that story? Yes. Okay, so that's another one of those things where I told you that I saw the story and I ignored the story when I probably should have paid more attention to me. So help me out. What happened with this A.J. Brown and the deleted tweets thing? So we're talking about last night during the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So after, um, I'm sure we all saw Jason Kelsey. Oh, sorry. Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. went crazy in Andy Reid's ear after he was taken off the field during Pacheco's fumble he felt that he should have been on the field to block better, help, whatever. And he's on the sideline next to Andy Reid, and he's watching the play, and then he blows up, gives him a little shove, and is screaming in his face. And then maybe less than five minutes later, it's going viral on Twitter, and A.J. Brown tweets, if that was me, I would have been kicked out of league, something like that. Um, and it definitely got a lot of traction. I don't think it's necessarily been crazy thing to say. It definitely seems on brand for something that AJ Brown would tweet. You know, maybe he's not wrong. Maybe everyone would act a, a lot, you know, crazier if it was AJ Brown doing that or something. Uh, but it definitely got a lot of attention, that tweet. A lot of likes, a lot of retweets. And then a second tweet from AJ Brown came out and said, this is not AJ Brown. This is a fan that's trying to get him in trouble for – saying that something along those lines so we're to believe so we're to believe from all of that that aj brown who decided he was going to go dark on social media for a while which he did yes (laughs) kudos to aj because he's been staying off social media he's been quiet and everything i honestly believe he got a point with the whole they would kick me out of the league thing because you know they would blow that all out of proportion had it been him so he might have a point but so we're supposed to believe that somebody hacked aj brown's account and sent this tweet out and everything and then deleted it so then Darius Slay, who's very active on Twitter, comes out very and says, I just talked to AJ. It wasn't him that tweeted. And then the AJ Brown account replied to that tweet and said, tell AJ, give me a signed jersey and I'll give his account back. So from the from just reading the tweets, it's like, oh, my gosh, somebody actually hacked into AJ's Twitter. Um, or... He just really wanted to backtrack that tweet and got Darius Slay in on it and said, let's act like I got hacked. I don't know what to believe, honestly, because I wouldn't be too too surprised either way. But I hope they're not lying, of course. We have become the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> like, we're the drama franchise now. Like, we're the drama <laughs> franchise. We're no longer the class organization. We're the drama franchise. Yeah. It's like a... We're the drama. And it goes back to Carson Wentz. Remember, it was like the same thing with Carson Wentz, and it was like, what was it? Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar were coming at him, and they had the, like the dummy accounts and stuff, and they were saying something yeah. about. Uh-huh. And then they found out it was Nelson Aguilar, but then he tried to act uh-huh. like it wasn't him, and then the, the, yeah. the whole account disappeared. Gosh, yeah. we're drama franchise now. Yeah. So I don't know if we're ever going to get clear answers on what that was, but. It was very interesting. Um, I think, honestly, he's got to show proof that his account was hacked or it's just going to look like they were totally making that up. Yeah. Wasn't even that bad of a tweet to have to, like, try to backtrack. Like, no, if you said it, you said it. Yeah. If you said it, you said it. So, yeah. Um, 
I guess to some extent, though, if it was him, I can understand the desire to kind of want to clean that up and everything. Because, I mean, if there's anybody else who just needs, like, as minimal drama as possible, it's got to be AJ, right? Like, it's just, yep. it seems like it's always something all the time now. But he's so talented, though. Yeah, I know. That we want to overlook stuff. Yeah. This week, so I yeah. think it was, uh, I think it was the catch and run against the Washington Commanders and everything in Philadelphia and everything. So you remember that, and then Zacchaeus mm-hmm. is blocking that field stuff like that. I think the greatest tweet I think I saw. Can we still call them tweets because it's X now, or do we call them something else now? I think we call them tweets. It's okay, X, so somebody tweeted on tweets, X. Apparently. Cool. Yeah. So I think the greatest one I think I saw this entire season was right after AJ made that catch and run somebody was on social media and their response to that was AJ Brown could slap my mother and I'll assume she's out of line. <laughs> I'll assume she's out of line. That's funny. That is funny. I know. And and that's how the Eagles fans feel when we're doing well. And then we start not doing so well. And all of a sudden he's the biggest diva and we can't have him in our locker room type of thing. It's, it's not going anywhere. I mean, he's so, so yeah, he's I think he's good. Um, so what do you think about Fangio and the uh, Killer Moore hires? I'm happy with a experienced defensive coordinator, an older guy, um, someone that can really get into the players' ears and tell them to tackle hard. Like a guy that's going to really like be hard on these players and be yelling at them. And just a guy with experience. I'm happy with that hire, honestly, just because he has a lot of experience and he's like a well-known, respected guy in the league. Kellen Moore, I was a little iffy on on first. I think I've I've come around a little bit and I'm kind of excited to see what he brings to the table. Um, But, you know, just being on the Chargers, the Chargers did not have a good offense this year. Um, Cowboys guy, he's young as well. Um, It just didn't. I didn't like it at first, but he's at least an experienced play caller, which is something that we didn't have in Brian Johnson this year. And mm. he is creative. Um, so those two things, I think, will help leaps and bounds. And to be honest, like he's in a great position. He, you cannot do any worse. I'm sorry. Than you can't do Brian. Than and you're coming in with a Stacked offense. You have the weapons. It's just all about using them correctly. We'll see if he can do that. Well, I think you kind of talking me into it. I don't know if I'm there yet, like you are, because I was going. That was going to be my question. Talk me into it, because yeah. I'm wrong. Because I still don't feel the Carolyn Moore hire. Like I don't understand why we're doing this. <laughs> so, I don't blame you. So creativity and experience play caller. This is what you rocking with. Yeah. Because I'm still need convincing. Like I don't know. I don't know. If we. I don't know if this is gonna work. Like I'll be honest with you. Yeah, and I definitely had those thoughts and, and reservations. Um, but, you know, just I, I do think his creativity, hopefully used in motion, getting Devontae Smith to be running every which way, actually scheming guys open, um, and just experience play call. Like, we, we forget that Brian Johnson had never called plays in the NFL ever before. And I think it was a little out of his league. He, he was a little overwhelmed. Um, so, yeah. Creativity and experience is something that Kellen Moore has, and he has the weapons. Let me play devil's advocate and everything, because I think I've beaten up Brian Johnson enough. Maybe you can defend him and stuff, because I've asked people this question. <laughs> okay, we'll try anyway, though. So, I'm gonna... <laughs> so, how much sense does this argument make? Brian Johnson was an experienced play caller. The Eagles offense has not looked that bad under the – Nick Sirianni regime ever, mm-hmm. but it's still Nick Sirianni's offense. <laughs> like he's st- he's just calling plays that Nick Sirianni drew up, though. Like, is there any defensive yeah. Brian Johnson on that front? Definitely, definitely. And I think people kind of had to to remind me of that during the season. I'd be hard on Brian Johnson, and you know, I'd be reminded like, this is Nick Sirianni's offense, and he stuck playing the calls, and we have no idea how much wiggle room Brian Johnson has to change and 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 do things. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest argument um, for Brian Johnson is that it, it was Nick Sirianni's offense. But then, so, yeah, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> – I won't go back I'm to busting tr- on him. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> I appreciate you for talking me into this Killer Moore thing. I'm still trying to work through this and everything. So this is what somebody just texted me a couple minutes ago. Okay. Motion. We're actually going to see motion in the offense now. Like, 
sweet. Motion can help things. Like motion, you can see guys like you know walk from one side of the formation to the other. You can see if a guy goes with him. Now we know if they're in man coverage or if they're playing zone. We can do some yes. things like that. But motion is important. Um, I don't know about you, Shannon, but I'm tired of the screen pass. Like football is not that difficult. There are certain yeah. plays that are just always a part of the rule book, even if they look different in different offenses. You call play action because you're running the ball well. Because play action then has the defense worried about the run, so you can run play action. Yeah. The screen the screen. pass. Go ahead. They were they were so confusing. I think they, they weren't working, but also we're having Julio Jones run the screen and and having Devontae Smith block. And that's how like, Devontae got hurt. Julio is a huge guy and he is good at blocking and he said before he wants to be known for his blocking just as much as his catches why are we having the skinny guy blocking for Julio Jones <laughs> like little things like that never made sense to me but the screens yeah they never worked and I'd like to see away from that I think you know, I'm gonna take it a step further too like we, like we're talking about like basic plays in the NFL handbook or football in general like this goes all the yeah. way back to Pop Warner and junior high school and everything screen passes are only supposed to be used when the other team blisses so when a team blisses, the screen is supposed to take advantage of the fact that the team is being over aggressive and stuff like that. If there's no yeah. blitz coming, there's no reason for us to run the screen pass, right? Yep. Okay, just making so sure we, I can... we weren't we were not using it correctly at all. And we never had, you know, hot routes or anything for, for Jalen to get the ball out quickly when we got blitzed. And we got blitzed the entire Tampa Bay game, and that's because Todd Bowles went in knowing that we don't have, have an answer for blitzes and we just continued all season to not have an answer for Jalen. And I, I just, I think Jalen just needs, the coaches need to help him out more. The motion is going to help Jalen read the defense and kind of carry the correct plays out and giving him options to get the ball out quickly on blitzes is, is just a huge thing that our offense was missing. Mm-hmm. So I pulled up AJ Brown's contract, right? So four years, 100 million, average salary, 25 million per year. But what's supposed to happen is the Eagles had a potential out during the 2025 all season after next year. So they can get out of this contract after next year, but that will cost them $30 million in day cap space. I doubt they're going to do that. <laughs> so he's here after that from 2025, 2026 which would make him an unrestricted free agent in 2027. Okay. okay. So we know AJ Brown's going to be around. Um, I was chilling. I know you and I talked a little bit over the weekend and everything, but I was chilling on Super Bowl Sunday. And um, my lovely fiance was doing my hair. And <laughs> I had to stop her for a second because I had to write up a story. And the story that broke was Hassan Reddick has been given been permission to seek a trade. So it's like, oh, man, we got to stop this thing. You got to write a story about Hassan Reddick because I was supposed to be off today, and now the Eagles have decided that Hassan Reddick may not be a part of this team anymore. So let's see what we got to do Such about this. So, so Hassan Reddick, I'm going to ask you the question. Well, firstly, I guess we just got to set it up. So Hassan Reddick is not like A.J. Brown in the sense that Hassan Reddick will become an unrestricted free agent in 2027. Hassan Reddick's final year of a three-year deal he signed a few years ago is this year coming. Hassan Reddick, um, I don't want to say this because we've interviewed Hassan Reddick on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Hassan Reddick has always been nice to us. I don't want to say this because Hassan Reddick has always been good to us, but I kind of wonder, and I'm trying to be careful here, when we start talking about bad apples in the locker room, was Hassan one of those guys? Because so you had to think with Sean Desai. Sean Desai got demoted from calling defensive play calls, and then we found out that the team didn't like him, and some of the defensive stars got tired of him and just didn't want to talk to him. Apparently, one of those guys was Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick stopped talking to the defensive coordinator midway through the season. So it's like we can't have the stars on this team not talking to this guy. So – as you know the story, like, you know, Sean and I had defensive play calling duty stripped of him. They was giving him Matt Patricia. Things got worse. Yep. But we also know that Hassan Reddick wanted a new deal. Hassan Reddick is not being paid like one of the premier pass rushers in his league, even though he's one of the premier pass rushers in his league. And now the question becomes, 
are the Eagles done with Hassan Reddick? I would have to say yes, because they've given him permission to seek a trade, right? That alone says we don't want to pay this guy, right? Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I feel like the, the Eagles want – you know, I feel like they should pay him. Like like you said, he's not being paid as a premier rusher when he is one. And I think he deserves the money that he plays for, that he deserves. And I think the Eagles should pay him that money. But when you ask if he's a bad apple, I think Hassan Reddick is – not in like the worst way, but like a selfish player. He really cares about his sacks and he really cares about his money, whether that might come to a fault at being a team player or not. Um, and I, so I, I, as much as I was shocked to see this news come out, when I thought about it, I was not very surprised because Hassan is, a, he's, a, he's a selfish player. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but I think we should keep him. I think we should try to keep him. <laughs> that being said. My question becomes, like, if you – because clearly Hassan Reddick, um, okay, 29 years old, 150 days old as of today. Been in the league six years. So he'll turn 30 years old before the next se- before the coming regular season. So he turns 30 years old, which, you know, hmm. by NFL terms, it means you're ready for Social Security. <laughs> yeah. Actually, didn't so, realize he was that old. Yeah, so – but, gosh, he's good, though. He's, he's – so double-digit sacks both years with the Philadelphia Eagles, double-digit yeah. sacks with the Carolina Panthers before that. Um, I was actually at that game in Charlotte against Carolina when Philly came to Charlotte and stuff really? like that. And it was just terrorizing Jalen Hurts and stuff. And I believe that was the day they decided, you know, we got to get this guy on our team. Simple guy, yeah. Philly guy. Yeah, Philly guy. Mm-hmm. Went to Arizona. Um had a decent career in Arizona, just made a Pro Bowl. So now you're talking about, okay, the guy just made a Pro Bowl and stuff. And I think, to your point, I understand the kind of like the selfish part too because this is how these guys get these deals. Because a lot of times as fans, you want to sit there and say, this guy doesn't care about the stacks and the numbers and so on and so forth. All he cares about is the Super Bowl ring. But when you go to the negotiating table and decide to hammer out these contracts, you need to have a couple of Pro Bowls. Yeah. <laughs> you need to have a couple of double-digit sack seasons or something. So to that extent, I get it. But yeah. last year of the deal, um, if you move on from him, who you got, though? Josh Sweat is okay, but Josh Sweat towards the – I'm going to say the Seattle game. Josh Sweat started looking like he needed a couple of days off. Like he had never played that much before. Jalen Carter, all the Georgia guys, Jalen Carter hit the rookie wall. Jordan oh, wow. Davis might just need to be in on first and second down. They don't trust yeah. Nolan Smith. Keely Ringo can play, but you got James Bradbury and you got Darius Slater. Um, yeah. And that's – Who you got if you move on from Son, though? That's the thing. That's why I think you got to pay him. With the amount of holes we have in our defense already, we need linebackers. We need younger corners. Like, we do not have – time to focus on finding another edge rusher when we have him right here we need to be focusing on other things and I just think it would it just won't be great to add trying to find a replacement for Hassan Reddick on top of the plate of of all the other defensive holes that we need to fill when we have him right here you know Mm -hmm. so Josh what I like um I'm sitting here looking at we got nothing Josh Josh Sweat is good, but Josh Sweat can't be out there like the entire duration of a game. By the way, side note, we don't have time to talk about this tonight. Like, I've never understood how offensive linemen can stay out the game the entire game, but defensive guys got to rotate all the time. They get so tired. I don't know. I guess they're they're putting in a little more effort, I guess. But, yeah, that's, that's funny. Um, I think with our defense, Jalen Carter is our main priority. We got to keep him for the – for the long haul, like he, we got to keep him. Everybody else, and Hassan Reddick, I'm saying we should keep Hassan Reddick too. You know, everybody else, like, is, we don't have anyone. Like, we, everyone else is dispensable, in my opinion, besides Jalen Carter and Hassan Reddick. But Hassan Reddick, we don't know. On the defensive side of the ball, you mean? On the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, I looked at something too. Okay. So, Gosh, what does it say here? So Hassan Reddick is 
Guys, his 10, his 2024 financial rankings in the NFL is number 74. Like, he's not even paid, like, a top 10 edge rusher and stuff. So you can understand why he's frustrated and everything. Yeah, 100%. He should be paid. He should be paid, and we should pay him. Okay. Dead cap space. Um, I guess the Eagles have the post-June 1st thing and everything, but he represents a $20 million dead cap hit. So if he's not here, you're still paying him $20 million. Yeah, I so. mean, that's just ridiculous. To lose out on that, to lose out on his talent and to lose out on that money and that space would just be ridiculous. And, you know, I really do think he he did suit really good this year, but he regressed a little bit, and I do think that's a coaching problem as well. It's not great to hear that he completely shut out the uh, D.C. because I think communication is, like, the number one thing to success in football. So the fact that he wasn't even trying to communicate isn't a great sign, but I, I think he wasn't being used correctly. I mean, they were dropping him back a lot of the time, which is just crazy. Like, why are you dropping us on Reddit back? Um, so I think new DC, fresh, freshness. Um, hopefully they'll have a good relationship. They'll communicate a lot. Hassan Reddick will get back to uh, Hassan Reddick and we'll pay him. And hopefully he's not upset because he has a new deal and he can show up and actually play like the guy we remember. Yeah. This could help, though. Um, wow. So I'm sitting here looking at the financial numbers. Okay, so we're $20 million under the cap next season as of right now. Now, this would help. Kevin Byer makes $14 million. If he shows up and they play next year, he makes $14.2 million. If they cut him, this dead cap space is where you can actually make up some steam. Like, he... He only counts as $711,000 that the Eagles walk away from him. So you save $13 million mm. by getting rid of him. Oh, wow. But Devontae Smith, Landon Dickinson came in in 2021. You're going to have to pay those guys eventually. This is a contract. Yeah. Dickinson. The thing that helps you with Devontae is he was a first-round draft pick, so you can you can use the fifth-year option on him. So you wouldn't have okay. to pay him next year. You can use the fifth-round is that is that right? Yeah, 2024 will be his fourth year. Yeah. 2025 a year be year five. So you can use the fifth year option. And then okay. you can worry about paying him in 2026. Okay. But it's gonna be interesting to see how how he moves things around and yeah. how to divvy his money out because it's a lot, it's you got to start paying guys now. And yeah. I know we mentioned the Georgia guys earlier. Jalen Carter, I believe in, but he hit he had a bit of a rookie while Jalen Carter's never played yeah. that much. I know. Um, Jordan Davis, I still got hope for Jordan Davis, but maybe they're feeling like Nolan Smith. Maybe they talk to Vic Fangio. Maybe Nolan Smith is the guy that we hope Nolan Smith is because we got nothing out of him in year one. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I like all those Georgia guys, and I want I want to see them together. I want to see them perform, um, but it was a little rocky for them this year. All right. At this point, I guess the, we never answered the question. <laughs> it's a sign ready out, I guess. We, I mean, allowing him to sit trade doesn't mean he's gone. Like, they did the same thing to Darius Slay last year. He was back. We thought Darius Slay was gone. We thought yeah. James Bradley was gone. Both of them were back. A sign ready yeah. could return. And with the rising cap next year, maybe her sign ready comes back. That's where I'm at. You agree? I agree. I, I don't think the Eagles want him to go. Yes, they are allowing him to, to, to talk to other people. But they, they want him back, and they don't mess with that dead salary cap whatever <laughs> they want him back so i'm just gonna manifest it and say he is coming back all right all right hour flew by anything else okay. <sighs> go birds it's gonna be a long off season well, those of y'all tune in and everything, we hope that you guys enjoy the live stream here on tonight. We appreciate you guys for hanging out with us. Continue to hang out with us on Facebook. Uh, thank you to all of y'all who watch us on YouTube. Go to the YouTube page inside the Eagles. Uh, subscribe. Um, subscribe to the podcast on everywhere you get podcasts. Apple Pods, Amazon, Spotify. We look forward to seeing you guys there. We appreciate you guys for hanging out with us, those of you watching live and those of you guys who are watching later, because as you know, Shannon, everybody's figured out they don't have to watch us live. So we appreciate you guys for hanging us out, hanging out with us tonight on the Nest Inside the Eagles Live. We'll see you guys again on Friday. Yep. See you soon.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.